Max hung his head low before raising it back up. Determination set on his face. I have to tell you why I went missing today. I know you think I'm not afraid of anything, but I am. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 48 from The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. Then a little bit later, we'll head to Jenny's Corner, where our author, Jenny Cody, will field questions from not just one, but two listeners who just happen to be sisters. I mean, what are the odds? Anyway, let's get things going with our hosts, Max and Liz. Thank you, Monsieur Denis. Oh, wow. Thank you for remembering my name. Well, someone has to. Anyway, if you remember last time, we and all the animals were safely aboard the Ark, but ooh la la, what a storm was raging outside. Aye, you can see that again. Ooh la la, what a storm was... Figure of speech, lass. <laughs> I knew that. I was just being silly, mon ami. I, I thought, thought that, that was my job. Sorry, Max. Ah, uh, that'd be okay, lad. I'll just tell you what Gilliman once told me when I were barking out a turn. What was that? Heel. Go lay down. But, uh, go but lay I don't, down. I don't... Go on. Okay. Good lad. That's a good lad. Yes, he is. <laughs> Finally. Très bien, Max. You have trained him well. <laughs> it's been a challenge. That lad don't catch on that quick. Uh, so I've noticed. I admire your patience. Humans, <laughs> am I right? Aye. Anyway, back to the story. It were a storm raging outside the Ark, fiercer than any storm I'd ever seen back in Scotland, and we got some beauties, let me tell ya. Oh, we, no doubt. Uh, but there was a le grand purpose for the storm on the Ark, as Noah will explain in today's episode. And thus it rained for many, many days. How many, though? Anybody know? <laughs> I'll give you a wee hint. The maker gives the answer in his first book, Genesis. Or just keep listening for a grand hint. <laughs> Suffice it to say, it rained a long time. Aye, till it bout drove us batty. It were enough to make some of us want to bang our heads against the wall. <laughs> we, especially a certain bird. Ah, do remind me. Chapter 48 40 days and 40 nights. That was la grand hint. <laughs> Shem, oh, love, are you okay? Nala said as Shem joined everyone in the kitchen. She rushed over to give him a hug. Yes, yes, I'm all right. I'm sorry I bolted like that. I still can't believe what has happened. I sat in the storage room a while to collect my thoughts and then had to put the wolves back in their stall, Shem replied, hugging Nala. Hmm, what smells so good? A warm fire burned brightly on the stonework stove where Ada cooked some vegetable stew. This atmosphere was totally opposite from that outside the ark. Inside there was safety, warmth, and the love and security of a close family. Outside there was cold, lonely destruction. You have a big heart, Shem. I know you tried to reach Avi, Ada said with a reassuring smile. The stew will be ready shortly. 
Why don't you put on some dry things? Ada added some spices to the pot and then tasted the stew with a wooden spoon. Thanks, Mother, Shem said, smiling. He was grateful for his supportive family. You had to put the wolves back in their stalls, Noah asked as he handed Shem a dry tunic. Yes, I was in the storage room when I heard them howling and moving up the corridor. I went to find them, and they acted suspicious. They acted as if they wanted to attack something, Shem responded, taking off his still damp tunic and changing into the dry one. I don't trust those wolves, Ham added, chewing on a piece of flatbread. Japheth nodded his head in agreement. Yeah, they have an aggressive, mean nature about them. Well, many animals are aggressive, Noah said, but they are just acting the way God made them. They operate on instinct. It's wise to be alert around the wolves, but don't think any less of them. Now that dog I really liked, though. He was hiding in the storage room when I was in there. I think he was nervous about the storm. Shem added, picking up a piece of flatbread and sitting down next to Noah. Noah smiled. Yes, he is a friendly little animal. He always seems to be smiling. Just the opposite temperament of the wolves. Noah's face then turned solemn as the thunder again pounded and a fresh wave of rain poured down on the roof. It swept over them in sheets. How long do you think this rain will last, Father? asked Lily, bringing a bowl of dates to the table. Noah looked up at the ceiling. Being on the upper deck, the rain was loudest where they were. Well, God told me that a flood would cover the entire earth, meaning the mountains will be underwater. I think we're in for a long period of rain for that to happen, so we just need to settle in for a while. Besides, we all need to rest from what we've been through. And please, everyone, be gentle with one another, as our emotions are heavy. Yes, and we need to help the animals as much as we can, said Ada, tapping the spoon on the side of the pot. They are already nervous like the little dog. As long as this storm lasts, they'll need our reassurance. So keep an eye out for those needing comfort. And keep an eye out for those wolves, said Ham. The laddie's back! Al exclaimed, seeing Max walking toward their stall. Thank goodness, Max. Where have you been this time? Kate asked, running up to greet her mate. I'm sorry, lass. I... I have something to tell you. All of you, Max said, clearing his throat. What is it, mon ami? Asked Liz as Max walked to the center of his friends gathered there. The seagulls and hummingbirds sat on the railing of the stall, waiting to hear what Max would say. Max hung his head low before raising it back up. Determination set on his face. I have to tell you why I went missing today. I know you think I'm not afraid of anything, but I am. Al gasped in disbelief. Liz raised an eyebrow. Crinan and Bethu looked at one another in shock. Rudy and Rosie shrugged their tiny shoulders and Kate smiled in understanding. I'm afraid of thunderstorms, 
The sound of the thunder has always made me run, ever since I were a pup, Max said. He wasn't ready to tell them the whole story, so he didn't go into the why of his running. So when the thunder started booming today, I just ran. I hope you aren't too disappointed in me. A logical explanation for your disappearance, mon ami. Thank you for sharing this information. Uh, but please, this is nothing to be ashamed of, Liz said encouragingly. Of course it isn't me, love, Kate said, nudging Max. I'm so proud of you for telling us all. I'm just relieved to know what happened to you then. Aye, the lassie is right, mate. Takes a lot of courage to admit your fears, Crinan said, giving a solid nod of affirmation to Max. See, pride is useless, no? It keeps us from being, uh, how do you say, real with our amigos, said Rudy, buzzing over to hover around Max's head, smiling. You can say that again. I'm not proud about anything, being the big scaredy cat I am. Max, I'm kind of glad to know you aren't totally unafraid of everything, said Al, coming over to give Max one of his big smothering hugs. Makes me feel a little closer with you. Max was surprised. The very thing he dreaded telling his friends actually made him feel relieved to tell. Kate and his friends here loved him. They weren't disappointed in him, but admired him for admitting his fear. Charlie had been right. Since Max is back, can we eat? No, I am starving, said Al, walking over to the berry bush. Now that we have Max back, we can focus on the events of the day, no? I estimate that in order for the ark to float, the length of time required for it to be lifted by water will be significant. I cannot be sure of the time, but I intend to keep track of daily rainfall to mark our stay aboard the ark. Just then, Racket the woodpecker flew into their stall. Racket started banging on the stall beam, and everyone turned to see the crazy bird. What in the name of Pete are you doing? Max asked with a frumpy brow. Gotta work off my nerves with this storm. Just checking out your wood, eh? Explained Racket before giving the beam more rapid-fire bangs. Never mind him. He's a bloomin' woodpecker. He bangs his head on the wood for the fun of it, Al said to Max and the others. Actually, the woodpecker is a fascinating creature, no? And there is a point to their head banging. They drill holes to make homes in trees, and they get food from within the bark. So they do what they were made to do, however strange it looks to us, Liz explained, studying Racket as he continued to bang away. Laddie, would you please stop banging in our stall then? Don't you have your own stall? Max asked the noisy bird. Sorry, eh? I just can't help myself. This ark is like paradise for a woodpecker. So much wood! Racket exclaimed, smiling. Liz jumped up on a rock next to a beam where Racket had not yet banged. I believe, Racket, that you could be of great assistance to us. How's that? Racket asked. I need to keep a record of the number of days it rains and the number of days we spend on the elk. Uh, would you please use this beam to make a mark, mon ami? Liz asked, patting the beam with her dainty paw. 
Racket grinned. He was being asked to bang his head for a purpose. Be glad to, eh? He proceeded to make the mark on the beam as the others watched. Merci, Racket. The first day of rain. Let's see how many marks Racket has to make before the rain ends, Liz said, giving all the animals pause to wonder. The rain fell for two weeks. Racket daily banged his head against the wooden beam in Liz's stall to track the days of rainfall. As his noisy tick marks filled the beam, Liz tried to estimate when the ark would lift off the ground. Al got to where he could sleep through anything, including Racket. Some unusual spiders had made him a hammock out of their super-strong webbing. Al tied it between two trees in their stall and happily slept in peace. Max coped as best he could with the continuing thunder, lightning, and rain. Most of the time he just hid next to the rock in their stall. A couple of times he took off running down the corridor, but that habit was getting easier to break. It helped knowing he didn't have to go hide in the storage room. He could hide from the storm right here with his loved ones, and that was the biggest help. Still, he was tired of all this. Every one of the animals was tired of the rain also, and wondered if it would ever end. One day, during the third week of rain, Al was walking back to his stall after visiting the rainforest to eat bananas with the monkeys. As he waddled down the corridor with his full belly, he fell flat on his face. A sudden movement knocked him off his feet and briefly shook everything aboard. The ark was moving. Al looked at the moose, beavers, and black bears in front of the stall where he fell. Did you feel that? Al said, apprehensive with the movement of the ark. Feels like the ark moved, eh? said Bogart, as he momentarily stopped chewing a piece of wood that he was carving. What ya yet? said Racket, flying in and knocking his head on the beam in the stall. Did ya feel that? Al just looked at the woodpecker and wondered what would possess any creature to voluntarily bang his head into a solid beam of wood. He understood why he'd do it to help Liz track the days, but to just bang his head for no reason? He must be duffed. Al thought to himself. Aye, but do you feel anything in that binged-up head of yours after banging it? Al asked, staring at Racket, who moved over to another beam. Murray laughed. <laughs> he even bangs my antlers because they look like wood. Quiet, you two. Listen. Mel the bear said as they all paused and listened to the sound of the ark creaking. Something is moving the ark. Al stood there motionless with the Canucks as they tried to figure out the movement. Was the ark breaking? Was something hitting it? Me wife will know. I am going to ask Liz, Al said as he run-waddled down the corridor to their stall. Racket flew after Al, curious to learn what was causing the movement. Hey, wait up! Al and Racket reached their stall to find Liz absolutely thrilled. C'est magnifique! She exclaimed excitedly to Max. Do you realize what this means, mon ami? The ark is now floating. This means that the water has covered enough of the earth to lift the ark. 
So will the rain end soon? asked Kate. Hmm, I do not believe so, no. The human said that God would send a flood to cover the entire earth, which would include the mountains. In order for the tall mountains to be submerged, it will take much more rain. We were at lower elevations before we began to float. Liz explained, her mind working furiously as she thought out loud. So you mean to tell me that will be above the mountains then? Asked Max, amazed at what Liz said. We, oui, mon ami, and we can expect movement in the arc as we rise with the increasing water levels. So brace yourselves. Liz warned, looking over and smiling at Al, who was clinging to the stall railing. Albert, I do not mean to brace yourself so very hard, but just know that when you feel movement, it is simply the arc hitting things like tree lines and mountains. You can let go. Al sheepishly grinned and let go of the railing. On the fortieth day, it finally happened. The rain stopped. The animals were so used to the loud sound of the rain that when it stopped, everyone noticed. Max looked around and listened. Do you hear that? The rain isn't raining then. Kate nudged Max. You've done so well being brave with the storms, Max. You made it. It's over. A hooray started in their stall and quickly traveled throughout the entire arc. The animals were thrilled. The rain stopped. The lightning stopped crashing and the thunder ceased booming. The storm was over. No what? asked Al, nibbling on some berries as he lounged in his hammock. He let out a big burp. Well, if the entire earth is flooded, it seems to me that we will be aboard the ark until the water goes back down. This will take time, no? Liz said as she walked over to a new unmarked beam. I will have Racket keep track. Ah, yeah, you bright ideas, lass. Just when the rain, the thunder, and Racket stopped, you started them up again. I know, I know, but uh, Max, banging his head into the wood is what Racket was designed to do. The maker made him with a sharp beak and incredible endurance to carve out notches in wood. Aye, no kidding. Well, just like you have an incredible gift for digging up dirt and d d chewing on bones. Well, now I hardly think that's a fair comparison. But the maker gave you strong paws and uh, strong teeth to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Sort of like him making you with great jumping ability and sharp claws, well, then. thank you. So you're able to jump up on any piece of furniture and then scratch it to shreds. We. Oui. I, I mean, no. Th that is not why I have these abilities. Isn't it, lass? No. I have sharp claws and great jumping ability to uh, uh, climb trees and get away from danger. Uh-huh. Uh, the point is, uh, Racket would have to keep banging his beak anyway. I just gave him a constructive use for his annoying little talent. <laughs> Aye, uh, good point, lass. Uh, we were all needing something to do. And something we need to do right now is head over to Ginny's Corner. Ooh, nice transition, Max. <laughs> Thank you.
You're welcome. And today we have questions from two sisters. That is fun, isn't it, Miss Jenny? I love hearing from sisters. So I have these two questions from Alyssa and Annie Grace, and they're from Seabrook, South Carolina. So, Alyssa. Who's your favorite author? And what book of theirs is your favorite? You wanted to know who is my hero and what is my favorite book. And it's a tight race. You know, I adore C.S. Lewis. And in fact, all the titles of my books are my mini tribute to Mr. Lewis and a nod to his Narnia series, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe specifically. And so C.S. Lewis has had a big impact on me. And it's going to be quite humbling when I write his story in the World War II series after I finish the Revolution series. I also admire Victor Hugo. When I read his work, specifically Les Mis, I have honestly wept before because the wordsmithing is so beautiful. And I'm like, I want to write like Victor Hugo when I grow up. So thank you for your question, Alyssa. And Annie Grace, you want to know. Where did you come up with the idea for Gilmon, the mountain goat? His name and his amazing quotes. Well, Annie Grace, I came up with Gilliman, the character and the name, based on my father, Dr. Paul Mims, and I know I wanted this wise character, and my father's the wisest man I've ever known, and you can see his picture and read about him on my website under my author tab, but as far as naming Gilliman, that name came to me truly out of the blue from God, dropped from heaven. I had never heard it before. As I was writing, it just came to me, and I plopped it in there as I was writing the scene. And then I later did a Google search to look it up, and I didn't get any hits on the name Gilliman. So it truly was unique, never heard of it before. And over the years, I would check, and I believe it's been added as a name in a video games somewhere, but not related to my Gilliman. So a lot of Gilliman's great quotes also were divinely inspired. Of course, his most famous one, know that you're loved and you're able. Truly, that was just given to me by God, by the maker. He inspired my pen. And that one line has just blessed so many. But a lot of the Gilliman-isms are from my dad and the wise words that he would say or words that I have... um been impressed by other wise sages over the years or really what the Lord gives me. And so truly, at the end of the day, the maker gave me Gilliman, both as my father and as my character and as the name. Thank you for your question, because he is, of course, one of my favorite characters. We oui, everybody loves Gilliman. Merci, Miss Jenny. Uh, now, Monsieur Denis, uh, tell us what we can expect next time. Sure, thanks. Well, as our friends have already pointed out earlier, being cooped up in the ark brought new challenges for all the animals. Except maybe the chickens, then. What? Uh, chickens like being cooped up. <laughs> Max. What? Go lay down. I don't, go on. I don't, go I don't, lay down. I don't want to lay down. Why do I have to lay down? Yes, the animals were getting yeah, restless and surly. Uh, so in our next episode, Liz I, I, I seeks to find a solution. Well, I don't like to take credit. And I won't let you. Pardon? Uh, see you next time. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Read, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Read, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. 
And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grande! Au revoir, mes amis!